What does that really mean? Galatians talks about walking by the Spirit. We talked about it yesterday. Are you led by your flesh or are you led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit within you? Do you notice when your flesh is ruling? Do you notice it? Usually comes along with like grumblings and complainings and moans and groans. And that's not moans and groans that are interpretable and the Holy Spirit moving through you. That's all right. So do you notice actually if you're walking by the flesh? You know, oh man, he's going to make me stand up. It's a good chance your flesh is ruling this morning. Okay. Oh, I just sat down my coffee. Well, die. Get over yourself. <laughs> All right. You'll be asked to do things. Okay? You're not your own little world. All right? All right, give me some of the things we got out of the last couple of days. Submit. Any comments in the area of submission that you got out of yesterday? When do we have to submit? All the time. What if someone is in the sex trade? See, submission is a heart attitude. It's not agreeing with what people do to you. David was being killed, trying to be killed. Okay, submission is our heart attitude. It's a yielded heart. It doesn't mean that you put yourself in a place. See, sex slavery is, you've you got no choice. You've been, you're, the domain of the individual has been overrun, okay, which is wrong and sin, okay? But you're the individual in it, and so you are stuck, all right? You can disobey, but the likelihood is that you get killed, so we get into like extreme circumstances, but the Lord calls us into a, a yielded heart. And then he works through that. You know, it doesn't mean you're agreeing with. It doesn't mean that at all. That I'm okay with this, I'll submit to it. No. Submission is a yielded heart. Okay. Yes. I'm not a big fan of tolerance. Okay, tolerance to me, I don't think is necessarily a biblical concept. Okay. Jesus had compassion. All right, he didn't just tolerate it. So when we just, uh, if we just tolerate somebody, let's just hit the word tolerance first. If we just, you know, oh, I'll just put up with them. See, we, we have a blockage in our heart towards them. You know, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll deal with them in the room. I'll tolerate them. Okay, you're reserved in your heart towards them, and thus the love of God cannot move through you. 
Okay, so you've created a stoppage for the love of God to go through you. Thus, it tends to stop moving into you. Okay, because it, sto- it starts in your heart. You're shutting off somebody. All right. So when you shut off somebody and you just, oh, I'll just put up with them. Okay, you lack compassion. Reality is they're a sinner. They're completely blinded. The enemy has them. They're completely deceived. And God, how can you use me to see that changed? Now, we're using an extreme example. It has a whole bunch of emotions and attachments to it. So I'm not making light of, hey, you can just be in this slick state and be joyful and happy. No, it's a terrible place. Okay. So that, that, that scenario has so much more attached to it. All right. If you can get someone out of the sex slave, you get them out of the sex slave. They shouldn't be in slavery. All right. Paul starts to challenge that in the book of Philemon, which is a huge issue in that day because Christians even had slaves. Yes. Oh. Um, two things really stuck out to me. Uh, one, just that. That fatalistic, is that the right word, fatalism, um, idea of having faith and just going, oh, God's going to provide and just not, not doing anything. Like faith requires action. That's what I took from that. And that's, that's right, right? I wrote that down. Okay. Um, and the other thing was. You have, ja- you have James in there. Show me your faith. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You can speak about it. But I'll show you my actions and you'll see my faith. Yeah. You know, he's That's saying really get off cool. your backside and stop just saying you've got it. Right. Let, let me show you. And yeah. yeah, I feel like um, um, just living in this world that uh, there's so much of that in our culture. Um, it's kind of these beliefs that everyone takes on. You know, and I realized when I came here, I had a lot of those in my heart that I didn't even realize. You know what I mean? Like everything happens for a reason. All these little phrases, like they're not from God. You know what I mean? So that's really important. And the other thing was... It's, it's really simple. I, I know this is really controversial, so I'm not going to go down there. But it's really simple because there's three people that work on the earth. There's the enemy, yeah. there's you, and there's God. Mm-hmm. You're called to align yourself with God's will. And when you do that, you have authority to push back the powers of darkness. Mm-hmm. The powers of darkness aren't just some waffly thing out there. That it, it, the powers of darkness are doing things in the earth. Right. So, yeah. That was really important. And the other thing was being led by the Spirit. um, Like, I never saw it that way before. It's really cool. Just the diagram you gave us, how if we're led by the Spirit, it's going to, it's going to, it's related to our will and emotions and then to our body versus being led by the body and going into it that way. So that was really important. And that's, that's why worship and that are really great places to be um, starting your day. Personal worship is a great place to go, you know what? It's a new day. All right, body, I, you're going to die. My spirit is going to be alive. So I take up my cross daily. Okay, I don't get saved daily. All right. I didn't lose my salvation. Like, oh, maybe I lost my salvation overnight and 
oh dear, you know, I've got to get saved again, got to go to the cross. No, you, you, you're, you're in Christ, okay? Ephesians says we're in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, the book of Ephesians is written to a bunch of people sitting in a city with a whole lot of witchcraft. And so here they are meeting in rooms behind where the occult is in the room next door. And so he's writing this letter saying, hey, you're sealed, you're protected, you're in Christ. And then in Ephesians 4 it says, but don't give place to the evil one. And so can you lose your salvation? Yes and no. No one likes that answer. No, because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You can't walk along one day down the lunch line and go, oh man, I think I just lost it. That was a that was that was very demonic place, and I think my salvation just fell off me. It doesn't. The enemy has no power in that realm, okay? But you can give place to the devil. It says, don't let the anger go. Don't 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 let the sun go down on your anger, okay? It says, be angry, but don't sin. All right. So keep short accounts. If you've got bitterness, if you've got hurt, if you, something happens to you in the morning, get it dealt with before you go to sleep that night. Don't let it hang around with you. Otherwise, you give this little foothold to the evil one. And he sticks his foot in the door, you know, and then the next day it builds a little more. And the next day it builds a little more. And the next day it builds a little more. And your conscience gets seared. And before long, you think you're fully justified in thinking all those bad thoughts about that person. So don't let a day go by with holding sin within your heart. Okay? That's the whole idea of having short accounts. Okay? That's a term that I, that, that I was given in my discipleship time from... A, from one of my leaders, it was like, Andrew, do you, have you got short accounts? You know, your relationships with people, your relationships with God, you know, are they, you know, you never hold anything against somebody. You never hold anything against God. Deal with it quickly. So, you know, fresh story off the, off the press. Yesterday afternoon, I'm in a leaders meeting. And we're at, at that leaders meeting and we finish it. And I sit with some of my fellow leaders and I get frustrated. So I just tell them I'm annoyed and I wish they would read the documents and they've been given it and I'm really frustrated and blah, 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 blah. And there's about four or five of us in the group. Okay. A whole bunch of stuff happens. They leave. Nothing happens. But it's hanging. I know that I have done something wrong. Inside I'm going, ah! You know. They should have, they should have, they could have done this, that, you know, and all these feelings and thoughts rolling through my head and suddenly I'm in the car and I'm driving back from getting the Hannah Montana movie from my daughter. And um, she really liked it, by the way. Uh, so did mum and dad. Um, you know, and I'm driving home and God says, humble yourself. You know, I'm like, I, I can't go to bed the way I am because we're not in right relationship. And so I go to the person that I said the words to, and I ring them up, hey, forgive me, what I did was wrong, apologize. And then I'm like, okay, there's two other people in that meeting, I've now got to ring them. So I ring up the other one, hey, I'm sorry. They said, 
Yeah, but you weren't saying the words to me. Did you ring them? I'm like, yes, I've, I've dealt with them, the individual I got cranky with. But you were in the room. I apologize. Ring the other one. Hey, you were in the room. I apologize. You know, and something lifts. There's no more room for the evil one. What happens is love and love and joy started to come and, and unity started to work in our conversation and going, we, we really are on the same page. We just were communicating badly. And creativity started to come in our thoughts and love and affection came together. You know, but otherwise I would have gone to bed last night just irritated and frustrated. Would have woke up this morning irritated and frustrated. Would have seen them walk past and gone, oh man, we still haven't, we're broken in our relationship. You know, and I don't want to have that with anyone on the planet. Yes. Like you're irritated by a reason. So maybe you were right. And why do you ask like do you ask for forgiveness just because you feel you did something wrong, so you should, you should just not have something with someone, so you just make it all good. But you're still still want them to read your documents. Like some people they just need somebody to get angry so you realize that actually there's something going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't get married. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but to be to be to be frankly honest with you, there are multiple times the only thing that restores mine and my wife's relationship is never going back to uh, you know, you, you know I was right. You know. It just it never it never heals any relationship. Because what it is is you you're standing on um you know, you, you, you may be, see, if I, if I dissect that moment, if I go through, okay, could they have read the documents? Yes, but who am I, you know, what I, what I'm giving my opinion, okay, on what I think they should have done. But who, who's to say that they should have done it? No one told them to do that. I, you know, it was, it was an assumed thing, yeah. okay. Secondly, the way I did it was completely out of line. Telling them off in a group, like... That, that's immature and childish, you know. And so there's multiple things that went wrong. One was my own arrogance in regards to my opinion on what they should have done, okay, and the way in which I dealt with it. So you have to ask repentance on both aspects. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there'll be times where you feel like, you know what? You see, you see when you start to justify yourself, you'll never see the you'll never see that connection back into relationship. You can't go back to reconcile something with, hey, I, I've got, I'm not going to back down on this. Okay? Before you go and reconcile any relationship, you've got to be able to go, God, I'm just going to die to myself here. Okay? And go into this conversation with humility, and they may have something to teach me. They may be seeing something where I'm blind. Okay? We all have blind spots. And often where we, where we get pressed in our buttons, okay, is often a blind spot to us. And we get defensive. You know, I don't have a problem there. Well, maybe you do. Maybe that person sees it and you don't. You know, and so if you're humble, you'll be teachable. And you'll go, you know what, I've, I've never seen it that way before. I've always thought maybe that it was just part of who I was and my personality but now I'm starting to see that what that does is it causes offense to you. And I need to change. Thank you for bringing that to me. You know, sometimes you may just flatly not agree with them, and that's okay. It's like, okay, yes, 
but I want the relationship. Okay? You may, you know, in your marriage, maybe like uh, you've got to squeeze from the bottom of the toothpaste. Some of you might be, I've got to squeeze from the top of the toothpaste. Other ones are just, you just hold it in your hand and squeeze it. Like, what's the big deal? Be amazed in marriages how much arguments happen around the toothpaste. Because some regard it as a mess. Stop making a mess. I'm not making a mess. Why am I making a mess? You start from the bottom. It's being a good steward and faithfulness. You get every piece. See how we get a Christian turn? It's a blooming piece of toothpaste. Okay. No one's morally right or wrong here. But your argument starts to cause a rupture in the relationship. So don't go into things going, well, I'm right. When really you, 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 you're connecting on issues that maybe not even morally right or wrong. You know, but they're the things that we argue mostly about. 95% of your arguments are about stuff that really aren't about sin. It's about preferences. You know, I hate it how you wake me up in the morning. It's like, well, just get over it and have joy. You know, but the one who gets up early morning, makes it a lots of shuffle, needs to go, well, okay, I'll, I'll try and be a bit quieter. You both lean a little bit. Okay. Yes. Um, in the situation you're talking about, I think it's common to maybe be the person on the other side where someone makes a comment to you or does something. Um, yeah, so in that situation, say your coworkers, if that bothered them, do they just wait for you to figure it out and apologize? Well, no, because what, what you do is you extend forgiveness whether they ask you or not, okay? But this is a little weird when we get into aspects of restitution, okay? Dan does something to offend me. Dan may not know it yet, okay? So Matthew 18 gives us the principle, okay? If somebody, a brother or sister offends you, go to them. So I go to Dan, hey, Dan, you, you offended me by doing this, Okay? I go with a forgiving heart. I'm not going with my righteous, with my right attitude. I was right. I need to instruct Dan. You, you, you're stuffed before you go. Okay? I may be wrong here. God, is there something you want to show me? You know? And, other t- and sometimes he might just go, you know what? Get over yourself. You were offended, but extend forgiveness. And But that's an aspect where you need to learn and grow. Okay. Just because you get offended doesn't mean that you engage the person and start telling them what they did wrong. There may be an aspect, you just need to grow. You just need to learn to suck it up a little bit and be like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to grow here. But if it's a true offense and someone sins against you, Matthew 18 gives us instruction and we go. But we go with a forgiving attitude. But what we do sometimes is we forget Matthew 18 to deal with actually the offense. And so we walk up. And we see Dan at lunchtime, and we walk up and say, Dan, I just want to let you know that I forgive you for sinning against me. Dan's like, really? What did I do? He doesn't know the offense yet. Okay? But we use our religious term to be able to go, hey, now I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to really tell you what I think, but I'm going to do it through forgiveness. I just forgive you for sinning against me. You know? My, the, one of the classics was my wife was speaking in a DTS, the first morning break or snack or morning tea. All right. One of the guys walks up to her and goes, you know what? I just, I just need to, for, I, I forgive you. 
And he's, she's like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. I've done well. I've already caused the fence, you know. He's like, yeah, we, before you came, I heard about you. And I just thought that you were going to break up my relationship. And I just realized that I was wrong. And, and I, just, I just need to forgive you. And she's like, great. I'm glad you feel better. I'm glad you got the process that you just dumped on me through our lovely Christian terminology. He didn't have to tell my wife that. That's his own problem. Okay. What would have been good maybe to go is maybe to a small group leader and say, hey, God's convicted me of this. That's walking in the light. So you get it right with God. Lord, I confess I was wrong. My attitude towards the speaker coming in was wrong. I confess that, da-da-da. Maybe in the next one-on-one catch-up time and, the, and someone says, hey, or someone discipling you, what's God been teaching you this week? You might go, you know what? I was convicted of sin in these areas this week. You're walking in the light. Okay, you've been known for who you are and freedom comes. Okay. Another classic is, oh, sorry, Ryan, I, uh, let me just stay here. Another classic is... Um, Dealing with restitution, and we're going a little bit of this today. I've got a whole bunch of handouts for you today that you can take away. But dealing with restitution, okay? And again, it, it, this is a, a fun area because we sometimes think we've just got to tell everybody the sin that we did, and we do it wrong, okay? We talk about the circle of offense. We touched on that the other day, all right? And, you know... This is a classic story, and it happens multiple times, and I wish somehow we could stop it from happening, but it seems to happen. Um, we'll use guys for now, but both genders struggle with aspects of lust. Okay, but, you know, um, I'll use guys. So there's a guy, and he struggled with aspects of lust towards a girl. God's convicted him. You know, he gets repents and out of his joy and everything like that, he then walks up to the girl and goes, you know what, I need to ask your forgiveness because I've lusted over you. The poor girl's like, thanks. That was really nice to know. Um, Yeah. Wonderful. You know, what, what do you do in that situation? You know what I mean? So just because, just because you had this aspect of restitution, you may have sinned against somebody in your heart. Okay? If they don't know about it, don't go running to them. Again, go to someone who's discipling you, a one-on-one situation, and say, hey, God convicted me of this. I've been lusting over this individual or, the, or just the opposite sex, and I've got, you know, would you help me and mentor me through that? So you still walk in the light. You're still confessing sin. But the whole point of restitution is reconciliation of relationship. If that relationship's not ruptured, you don't go in and do something to rupture it. Okay? Because you just ruptured it. You just, the girl will no longer hang out with you if she's got any sense in her brain. Okay? Be like, great, I know who to avoid now. Thank you. (laughs) You know? We, we need a little bit of wisdom, but we need, we need to walk in the light. It comes out of often our eagerness. So we want to be eager to walk in the light, to confess, to want to be right before God, and, and in our own desire to just get it off our own chest, we don't think about the effect that it will have on the other individual. Okay, It's still self-centered. 
Well, I'll be free. Well, you know what? God's the one who makes you free. Okay? But you walk in the light, you find that appropriate person to walk in the light. Brian? What about um, some of, maybe you've been in past relationships, or say you, there's been offenses with your parents that happened like years ago, but you're still thinking about them, or like how would you walk out forgiveness or an apology or something towards them, just ring them up and out of the blue and just be like, hey, I just want to ask forgiveness, or what do you think? All right, let's, let's hit on this now. I have a whole handout on it, okay? That's the first point of call. Let's hand that one out. I did like 40 copies, so staff, don't go stealing it yet. I know we should cover the students, but... Oh, I need one. Can I have one? So that means we've got 39. <laughs> All right, so we're going to hit a couple of points. Just talk amongst yourselves. Next one. Come on, Dan. One potato, two potato, three potato, four, five potato, six potato, seven potato more. La 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 Another one, Dan. I thought you should at least walk away with some homework. That's humility. It's a spiritual checkout. Where's pride? That works. There's pride. There's that. All right. Let's just draw our timeline up again. For committing sin and being sinned against. Remember we did a little timeline up? All right? This is not the timeline of going from darkness to light and being sanctified. Okay? I'm assuming you're all saved. Okay? And we're walking along today and we sin. We have an uh-uh moment. Okay? What happens there? Let's start talking some of the terms. How do we know we sinned? How do we know we sinned? Are we convicted in our, in our conscience? Okay? Please remember, you can have a weak conscience. All right? And that comes from often bad teaching. Okay, so your conscience might say uh, to have a woman speaking is wrong and I have to block the, my ears when she's teaching because it's sin. Okay, you have a weak conscience. All right. We, we have guilt. What's the role of guilt? Lead us to the cross. Okay. And asking God for forgiveness. 
Sorry? Guilt, guilt will come out of your conscience. Okay? Conscience is something given by God. All right? If you have a defiled one, you won't feel guilty. It's like this. The conscience resides in your soul. It's an aspect of the mind and the, and the heart. Okay? It's like you've got sharp edges. You know, so when my daughter, um, when she lied, you know, for one of the first times after she got revelation about what lying is, so mum and dad taught her, okay, this is what lying is. Okay, she gets that. All right, and then she came back in one day and she knew that she had lied. And so she had tears running down her face. We were like, what's wrong? She said, I, I, I lied to you too. Okay. Her conscience spoke to her and now she felt guilty. She knew what she had done was wrong. So she came to us and we took her. We went, all right, let's just pray to God. Okay, because we've sinned and so we've sinned against God. Let's ask him to forgive us. He forgives you. That's what the Bible says. You know, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. So we, we don't use big words like that for a five-year-old. But we talk to her about the fact that now you're free. Okay, you, you've, re, you've repented to us and you've said sorry to us and we forgive you. Okay, so now what are you going to do? You don't lie anymore. You know, she's like, okay. And she no longer feels guilty. Okay. Uh, freedom has come back in where she knew she was bound up now. She knew when she looked at us, it was awkward. It's like, I know I've done something wrong. Okay, her conscience is speaking. You all recognize that, don't you? Hand up if you recognize your conscience. Okay. All right. But what happens is sometimes our conscience, we, we it, it's a little diagram, nothing super spiritual about it. Okay, but we do something wrong and, and it spins within us and the sharp edges of it, we go, ah, oh, okay, that was wrong. All right, but if we don't deal with it and we do it again, it spins again and sin gets a little easier. Okay, and over time, the sin can increase and it gets a little easier and a little easier and a little easier until you can be sinning and it can be like, your conscience is just a round circle and it spins freely and you don't get convicted at all. Okay? And your conscience can be seared in some areas and strong in others. All right? So you can have no problem with committing adultery, but you might have a big issue about lying. Don't lie to me. I've got to be able to trust you. Yet in your lifestyle, you're committing fornication and immorality and walking in lust. You have no trouble with it. But someone who's, who's not trustworthy, oh, I don't want them in my life. Your conscience is sharp in an area but weak in another. Okay? All right, so we confess. All right, and we walk in... The light. Okay? And all these are fruits of humility. It says we do this, we're doing this with God, and often there's a role where we're doing this with people. Okay? Because often your offense is to God, and then often you've offended 
a person as well. So then we get into this restitution. Okay, where we're asking for forgiveness, we're cleaning it up. What does that mean? You know, Paul, Paul, simple letter in Philemon, Paul understands restitution and that he's writing about this guy, Onesimus, who used to be a slave, and he's saying to him, hey, can you have him back? He's a brother in Christ now. He's, he's restored. But you know what? If there's anything he owes you, charge it to my account. Okay? He does put a little line there that says, you know what? I've also done a lot for you, and you know that. But he doesn't get away. He doesn't just go, hey, forgive him, please, Philemon. Just forget everything. Come on, that's what a real Christian does. He throws in there, hey, I understand that whatever he owes you, you can charge it to my account as well. He deals with the fact that there's something broken also in uh, the physical. Okay? So let, let's just go through this with some of these handouts. All right? What's the first one I gave you? Avoiding common excuses. Okay, I've got a couple of extra copies if someone wants them. All right, we get convicted of something or we need to deal with it. Here are some rationales that sometimes we come up with. Okay? Oh, it happened a long time ago. That was when I was eight and they're not going to know about it. And so why deal with it? Okay, the one I wronged has moved away. It was such a small thing. Okay? Things are better now. It's all fixed up. Why don't we go back and do it? I've just been too sensitive. Silly me. Okay? No one's perfect. They won't understand. Making it right will involve money I don't have. So I'll wait till I've got all that in order before I go and get it right. I can't remember exactly how much I stole. I'll do it later. Okay, if you get to the altar, you got something against your brother, go and deal with it before you come back to the altar. I'll only do it over again. Okay, particularly in, in areas of habitual sin, where we feel like we keep going back. Why go and deal with this again? Because I'm only, I'm only going to do it again in two days' time. I can't get freedom. Okay, we have a wrong perception of God, the cross, and um, what God is capable to do with us. The other person was mostly wrong. Okay, I'm going to wait for them to deal with it because they're the, they're the biggest ones in offense. My parents won't understand. Okay, maybe your parents aren't Christian. And it's like, they're not going to understand that they do this as a, you know, they sin in all the time. And so here I come in and say, hey, I was sorry for what I did and ask forgiveness. They're not going to understand what's going on. If I purpose to do it again, won't that be enough? If I go back to my friend, if I go back, I'll get my friend in trouble. Well, you might need a little bit of wisdom on how to move through something like that. Okay. The person I wrong has died. Okay. I don't want to open old wounds. They're not Christians. What would they think? All right. So meditate on some of those. Let them be some of your... Um, don't let those things be your hindrance into making things right. Okay? Often we start thinking of reasons why we don't need to deal with it now. Oh, it's no big deal. You know, I, I, I said sorry and 
it, it'll, it'll all be okay, or you know, we need to work out how we do restitution and do it well. All right. Now, then we go into uh, asking forgiveness and the right words. Okay, so here's some notes. I'm not going to read you word for word, but here's some notes to help you thinking through, well, how do I go about asking forgiveness? Okay, and what are some of the wording and what is the, some of the wrong wording to use? Um, I'm teaching my children at the moment the right words to use. Okay, Emily's there. Emily and Michael had an argument and Emily's like, oh, I'm sorry, Michael. I'm like, stop. Okay. What are you sorry for? Okay, I'm sorry that I hit you. Okay, all right. Then do you need to ask him for forgiveness? Yes, okay, well, ask him for forgiveness. I'm sorry, Michael, that I hit you, and um, will you forgive me? I'm like, okay, all right, Michael, yes. Okay, all right. Do you forgive her? Yes, I forgive her. Okay, so did you do anything wrong? So just helping them get that reality down of, I've extended forgiveness. Something happens when it comes out of our mouth. Yes, I forgive you. Okay? If someone's apologizing to you and asking for forgiveness, don't just cloud it over. Don't just go, oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, just, just say, hey, I forgive you. It's okay. Let, let, it's good to get those words out. You know, don't be legalistic about it. I'm not forgiven because they didn't say the words. No, it's just... It's helpful in your communication to go, yes, I forgive you. All right? And it's good to ask for it. Do you forgive me? Yes. All right? So don't, don't, again, don't fall into legalism on it. You didn't ask me, so I can't say yes. So come on. We're, we're not children. I'm teaching my children the principle. All right? But sometimes as adults, we never got that or we, didn't, we know we just... Try and cloud it over, and we walk up and we say, "Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What for? Oh, uh, oh, uh, um, uh, if I hurt you, well, you don't know what you're sorry for yet. You know, did you hurt them? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Yeah. Yes. Um, what if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, but you aren't ready to forgive, like you still? You still feel like you have issues you need to deal with, with God, and yeah, like sometimes I feel like people they feel like they have to forgive because the Bible tells them, but then they actually aren't. They just are saying words, but it's still they still harbor like bitterness or unforgiveness. Yeah, well, extending forgiveness is an attitude of your will. It's got nothing to do with how you feel, and so it's a command that you are. So you can sit there and go, I forgive you, okay? In your heart, you may still struggle. And so the next day, you may be in your quiet time going, God, I forgive them. God, you don't have to keep going back to them. But it's like, God, I forgive them, okay? Sometimes major hurt, just you need to keep reminding your your flesh that you have forgiven them. I release this. I don't harbor anything against them. Because you're the one bound up. Okay? Sometimes we think, oh, but if I let it go, they're going to get away with it. No, you're the one who's bound up now. They've asked you for forgiveness. 
They've done their piece. Okay? But you, you, you need to extend that forgiveness. You may not feel like it. And so for days later, you may be in your quiet times. Or you see them and it pops back up again. You're like, no, I forgive them. I have forgotten. Shut up, body. Shut up, body. I forgive them. You know? And you start disciplining yourself in and asking then the grace of God. God, would you help me do this? Help me to release this hurt or the grievance or the pain. Particularly major pain and major hurt. It, it, it's not just a simple little exercise. Yeah, I, I forgive. You know, it, it's, it's great pain and grievance often. And, and, and sometimes it takes time. You know, but sometimes the first step in that is just is telling them. Saying, you know what, I forgive you. You know, and letting it go. And you may go back to your room and just bawl your eyes out and be like, ah! You know, because you're letting that pain go. Okay. Christ is our example. Right? It's, not, it's not just a flippant exercise. I understand that. But we do see that it's something that God tells us to do. Okay. All right, so forgiveness, on that forgiveness sheet, asking forgiveness, the best, best method, methods of approach. Okay, the basic principle, be as personal as you can. Okay, if, you know, if it's someone in your room, don't send them an email. Okay, all right, they're in your room. Okay. Oh, maybe I'll just I'll apologize by the email and you're going to see them in 10 minutes. I'm really sorry this morning at breakfast I threw something at you and got No, you chicken, go and see them. Okay? All right. Don't do it by text. Look, I'm sorry when you know that they're in the same town. Go and see them. Okay? All right. So be as personal as possible. All right. Depending on the type of sin, you made a little bit of wisdom as to whether or not you go and see them at all. If you've committed adultery or you've been involved with people in marriage relationships or who are now married, you need to watch that. You need a little bit of wisdom. Okay? Because their partner now may not even know about you. And so don't, in your own eagerness to get it off your chest, go and destroy their marriage. Okay. I just needed to tell you I, I'm I'm sorry that we slept together as teenagers and the and the poor wife's there now going, What? You never told me about her? And he's like, Ooh, hmm. Thanks for your forgiveness. Thanks, thanks for repenting to me. You've just made my life hell. So how does he you know, don't don't think don't don't think about make sure you think about the implications on them. Okay. And so maybe walking in the light with an individual or, or a spiritual leader in your life, you're just saying, you know what, I, this is what I need to get right. I confess it. I've got it right with the Lord. I want to walk in the light. How would I do restitution in this situation? Okay. And if that person doesn't know that you have offended them, okay, yeah. or if you, don't, if you have a question mark over that, Talk to a, a spiritual leader in your life and say, hey, I don't know whether they know. 
you know, it's a bit awkward when we walk around each other, so there's something there, but I don't know. I just, and so sometimes it's like, you know, just get it right with the Lord and we'll get it right here and we'll ask the Lord to, to lead us into how to do that. Again, if they don't know that you have done anything against them, okay, in categories, okay, they may not know that you stole from them. Doesn't mean you're not going to go and get restitution, okay. Say, hey, you don't know this, but I stole some money from you. I stole some belongings from you, and I need to get this right. Okay, so in categories, there's wisdom. It's not just a blanket thing. Particularly in areas of sexual sin, that's where you need to be a little bit more careful on how you walk through your own conviction. Okay, aspects of lust, aspects of immorality, getting those things right, get a little bit of wisdom. Get some advice around you to walk that through. Okay. Um, you know, when I got right with my parents, you know, my, my teenage years, I completely rebelled from my family and um, basically didn't want to be at home anymore. And I lived more at my girlfriend's house than my parents' house. Um, and then they left to China and I went into DTS six months later, got saved and a whole bunch of stuff happened. And here I was still faced with a broken relationship with mum and dad. Okay. I didn't honor mum and dad in my teenage years. Um, you know, I didn't want to be in their house, didn't like their belief system. And so here I was on my DTS, mum and dad in China and me in this little itty bitty town in Australia. Okay, when I say itty bitty, it probably had about a thousand people that lived in this town. That was my DTS town. Okay, so Kona's just a, a raving metropolis. All right. And we were in a church camp about 15 minutes out of that town. All right, so when we went to see anybody, it was the kangaroos and um, literally the kangaroos and walked through the cane fields and that was it. So here I was faced with, how do I get it right with my parents? I don't want to wait six months. You know, we talk on the phone about every two weeks and how do we get this right? So I hooked up a time to talk to my dad and we spent a couple of hours. So we, we worked it out so it wasn't just, you know, hey dad, weekly chat, by the way, bang. You know, it was dad, I need to talk to you about some things that have come up in this season. God's been speaking to me about my attitude and how I, how I was not a part of our family and can we get some time to talk? So my dad came prepared and we're on the phone together and we spent a couple of hours both crying, being accepted back into the family. You know, I asked that. He didn't say, now you're back. It was like, dad, can I now be back in your family? And he was, of course, in fully embracing. And, but it, 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 we needed that time frame. So think about it when you're going to get restoration. You know, it may not be appropriate just walking past them in the, the food area or they're busy, but you've just got to get it off your chest. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night, they're fast asleep, and I can't sleep, so we better just wake Chris up. You know, I've got to tell you. He's like, oh, thanks. Tell me to mold it. But the Bible says that I shouldn't let the thing go down and my, the sun go down on my wrath, and I'm just trying to be biblical. You're like, oh, you know. I'm sure there's biblical parts where I can hit you right now. So maybe there is, you know. 
I can find a scripture about that. Don't just think about your own circumstance. Think about theirs. You may have a rotten night, but you know what? You're the one who sinned. So deal with the consequence. Don't just think about, well, I've got to get right and stuff up their life. Okay? So deal with the time. Asking. Oh, we did that one. Okay, the right words. All right. Don't walk into a meeting. Examples of wrong wording and say, hey, I was wrong, but you were too. Okay? If you want to do that, don't get married. All right? Your marriage won't last very long. Okay? Um, you know, I'm sorry about it, but it wasn't all my fault. Okay? You just blame shifted. Okay? If I've been wrong, please forgive me. All right? Don't put a big if there. Okay? You either know you have or not, or get clarity before you engage in the conversation. Hey, um, there's something wrong in our relationship here. Have I done anything to cause offense? Have I done anything that's hurt you? Allow them to share that with you. Yes, you know what? When you did that the other day, that hurt me. You know? Okay, look, all right, I'm sorry I hurt you. Would you forgive me? Okay? Don't just try and brush over it with, look, you know, something's wrong here, so if I've hurt you, you need please forgive me. Find out what you did. You know? Um, D, you have this whole thing of, I'm sorry about the way I lied to you. Okay? Or I'm sorry about, the, sometimes it's about the way we do something or, and, and we divert what we did wrong by a way or a process or, and so you need to think, you need to be just clear on, you know what, I did wrong. This is what I did wrong. I'm sorry and I ask forgiveness. Okay. The Holy Spirit is clear with you. Okay. He doesn't keep it all vague and smoky and foggy. All right. The Holy Spirit's conviction is clear. Okay. So if you feel like something is just foggy and just, you know what, I'm, I don't know, I just feel like I'm always wrong and God doesn't like me. There's a good chance you just have condemnation. Okay, don't walk under that. All right, the Holy Spirit will be clear. And discipling some young people, you find them in their eagerness to want to get everything right, they just start noticing everything. It's like, oh, maybe I did wrong and maybe they don't like me anymore. And I said this comment and did I offend them? And, and they're just walking around everywhere fearful that they're sinning everywhere. It's like, just take a step back, okay, breathe a little bit, all right, and just ask the Holy Spirit to either bring conviction or not, all right? Don't run around looking for it. You've just got to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have I been wrong in this area? And He loves to do two things, convict you of sin and convict you of righteousness. And you might hear Him say, no, you're wonderful. And you'll go, oh. You know, or you might go, yes, you have done wrong in that area. Could you get it right? He loves to affirm both. He's not just the Holy Spirit with the stick. Okay. All right. He loves to affirm you. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, sometimes we have like soul searching times. You know, have I done anything wrong? Is there sin in my life? And, 
you know what, have the other times. God, show me where I'm doing good. Show me where I'm, where I'm affirming your word. Show me where I am living out your principles. And he'll want to do that too. I love how you do this. I love how you relate to people like this. I love how you seek like this. I love how you, you know, he wants to do that. Have those times more frequently. Let him affirm you. Okay. Any questions? Comments? Additions? None? Hallelujah. Can you just maybe address quickly, um, like when someone doesn't accept the apology, and what you do at that point? There's nothing you can do, because it's, it's their will. And don't use it as a time to start preaching to them, because you don't have an open door. Just, you know, you... You might go up and say, hey, I'm sorry I did this, da-da-da-da, and they go, too right. They might not say too right, but Aussies would say, Aussies might say too right. <laughs> you know, it's about time you did that. Or they're cranky with you, and they resist you, or they push you back. They don't forgive you. Okay? That's, that's the domain of their will. You walk away and you pray, blessing, so you have compassion. Compassion can rise up then and go, all right, I just, I, and you can let love flow from you more and more because you've forgiven, you've repented, you've, you have opened up the doorway that wasn't there before for God to move through. And sometimes it might take a little bit of time for them. Okay, should they forgive? Is it a command of Christ? Yes. Okay, but at that point in time, often when you're asking for forgiveness, don't flip the, and become the preacher. And so I'm not going to forgive you. It's like, well, the Bible says you have to. You know, it's just not the right time. Just be like, you know what? That's unfortunate or, you know, I, I hope that our relationship can be bonded. That's what I endeavor to do by this process, that we can be reconciled back together. And, um, you know, let me know if there's anything else that we can talk about or move through or, they may just hate your guts and not want to hang out with you. So you, you just keep blessing, keep loving upon them, and pray that the Holy Spirit will give you a time and place where they would, you would see that reconciliation. Yes? Bible's pretty clear and it says, you know, don't walk by the flesh. So, and it's something that as you engage your, what I have found helped me is uh, engaging spiritual disciplines. Okay, so 
uh, my quiet times. All right? And I start to see the, my, the wrestle that happens between my spirit and my flesh. I'm going to hang out with God. Okay, so tomorrow morning, I'm going to hang out with God. My spirit is excited by that. I wake up in the morning at 5.30 in the morning. That alarm goes off, and I'm like, oh, I don't know whether I can do this. My flesh rises up. I'm like, no, I made a commitment. I'm going to spend time with God. You know, personal worship with the Lord. Fasting. Fasting is a key one. You start to notice your flesh very quickly. Okay, by 10 o'clock in the morning, you will recognize your flesh. Okay, oh, I gotta eat. No, you don't. Your body will survive. Okay, your body will survive a number of days without food. It'll, it'll last 40 days without food. It won't do many days without water. Okay, so do it creatively if you're beginning it, but you will notice your flesh. Okay, you'll go into a, a worship time in the morning or something, it'll be first thing, and oh, I just can't operate without a coffee. You know, there's a good chance your flesh is ruling you. What happens is they become, they become hindrances for you. Okay? Well, I'm not, I won't operate unless A, B, or C. Okay? That means you're not dead. All right? I'm fully available to Christ to do whatever he tells me to do whenever he tells me to do it. That's the lifestyle I committed to when I got saved. Is Jesus have it all, have my time, have my money, have my relationships, have where I live, have my citizenship, have everything. God is all yours. It's not because he's up there going and demanding it. All right? It's an expression of love to him. So your citizenship, where you were born and stuff like that, that's a gift to you. God chose that. Okay? I didn't put it in order and say, God, can I have the Emily up there? I, it just, I saw it in heaven and I like that Emily. Can I have her born in Australia? Personality, gifting. See, there's genetics that I bring to the equation, but the calling of God and the purpose and things like that, I do not bring to the equation. My wife and I didn't sit down one night and say, we want a girl who'll be called into missions and well, you know, we, it, we didn't, we can't write that list. Okay, so what we nurture is what is the gift of God within you? And we start to notice our daughter is, is, is creative. And we're like, okay, there's aspects of art. And so how do we, how do we fuel that? You know, and so th that's not stuff that we did. My wife and I are not, you know, we're not artists at all in the drawing or anything kind like that. We're creative in other elements, but there's something given by God. Okay. I mean, know how we got there. What was the question? My brain just completely shifted. Oh, I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> my brain completely went. So <laughs> I thinking about my daughter and her art, and she's at school. My brain's a bit divergent, as you might notice. So. Okay, but your, you, don't, don't let your flesh rule you. Okay, and, and it's something that you start to recognize. Yeah, and if you don't recognize it, just fast for a day. It's about here it starts to go, oh, oh, you can't operate, you can't live. And you're like, I can. 
I can, and I'll draw upon the Spirit of God to help me. Okay. Uh, in that, is it that um, we, are, we are designed certainly with a body and a flesh, uh, and it's part of our being. Um, so having it is not necessarily wrong, but walking in it as opposed to walking in our spirits as we are called to do, is, that, is it that that, that is being, wrong? Being ruled by it. Okay, it's the one ruling. So it depends on how you feel, will depend on what you do. It's the wrong way around. Okay. I don't feel like this today. Well, just, just die to your own right. You'll feel like this on outreach. You'll wake up one day, I don't feel like going out in evangelism. Okay. I have many of those moments. You know. And it's like, but it's what I'm called to do today. It's what my task is today. So, Holy Spirit, I'm going to engage with you, and I want you to lead me today, and I will not just run by how I feel today. Okay? All right? So, be, be aware of your flesh ruling you. It's the decision maker. It's the determining factor of your emotions. You want your emotions fed by the Spirit of God. Okay? Not by just how, by, by the condition of your own body and own thoughts. When you get the thoughts of God, you'll get the emotions of God. And you might find yourselves completely in a place of joy when you didn't expect it in trials, because He'll give you that. And there are times you'll find yourself weeping because you'll, you'll see and feel the heart of God over situations. And it's like, I've never cried over stuff like that before. Because God is, has emotions. Okay? And so let your emotions be fed by Him. Let Him be your joy. God, I receive your joy today. You may be in the middle of great trial. But God, I receive your joy. I will be grateful for, you know, I'm breathing and I'm here. It may start that simple some days. Maybe nothing else you can start with apart from the fact that I'm alive. But it really should grow. Thank you that I had parents that born me. Thank you that I am, am capable to do what you called me to do. Thank you that I am in where I'm at. Thank you and just let it build and you start to realize, man, I've got a lot to be grateful for. Okay, and that changes the condition of your heart. Thankfulness. Thankfulness feeds an environment of faith. Okay? We heard that last week from Darlene. If you'll remember her teaching. Like, oh, what did she speak on? Did you have another question, Lauren? Anything else? Andrew thinks he does. Yes? Okay. Say, for example, somebody was under the influence of alcohol about six years ago prior to being a Christian and stole something worth... Is this a hypothetical or... <laughs> it's, get, it's getting very detailed. <laughs> um, yeah, stole something yep. worth $500 or something. Yep. 
let's just say. <laughs> and um, the next day was um, shameful of what they had done. Yeah. Would you recommend um, approaching the place where that happened and seeking forgiveness and restitution and all that sort of stuff? You need to be aware of the consequence that can happen, though. My brother went back to his workplace after his DTS with a bag full of tools because it was workplace practice just to take stuff from the shed. And he had a bag full of tools, spanners, the whole bit that had just walked from the workplace and everybody did it. And he walked back into the workplace with his bag of tools after his DTS, handed it back to the workshop guy and said, you know what? I stole these when I worked here. Is there anything else I need to do? Okay, they didn't know what to do. Because everyone knows everybody does it. So it was a huge witness in the reality of Christianity. And number two, that guy was like, well, yeah, we'll just deal with it. You know, because the, 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 the conviction starts to move because everybody knows they're stealing. But he didn't, go, he didn't start preaching to them. Well, you guys know that everybody did it. But he was just doing his piece. I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible to preach to them. You know what I mean? That can come at a later date. Right now, I'm just dealing with restitution. And what I did wrong was this, and I'm getting this right. Okay. When you are dealing with legal matters, I, I, again, I would get a lot of advice around you. Okay. Because there are ramifications. You're, you're submitting yourself under another domain of authority. You know, Jesus is like, hey, I, and I told you guys this the other day. Get it right with your brother before you get to the judge. Because once you're under him, he will administer the law. It's a different domain. Different set of consequences can occur. Okay. If you sinned against me or stole from me personally and asked for forgiveness, that sort of thing, I have no authority to set up a jail. You know what? When people sin against me, um, I have a little jail in the back of my house. And um, it, according to my book here, you have 30 days. <laughs> I, got no, no, I can't do that and be kidnapping, and then I'd find myself against the law. Okay? But when you go into another domain... You need to be aware it's a whole different set of rules. So if you did do sins, if you did do things that were wrong and you, and you have to work out some sort of restitution and you're going outside of that individual domain, start getting some wisdom around you. Because it could affect you.
If someone has sinned against you and um, had done and said things, but feel like they've never done anything wrong, like you still have to issue them uh, forgiveness, like yourself. But how do you how do you do that with a person in person? What if you keep seeing that person, but there's no repentance, and it's like you're just trying to move on and forgive and not think about it? But what do you do with that? It gets really hard. The principles don't change. You have to extend forgiveness. And sometimes there may not be a right and wrong. It may be there's personality, communication clashes. They, you know, you, you're seeing something that maybe just they're not seeing. Okay. So, you know, it can get really hard and difficult. Well, see, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews doesn't even 18 chapters. We learned that the other day. So Matthew 18 gives us the, the walkthrough. Okay, someone does something, go and deal with it, bang. If they don't respond to you, bring somebody else. Okay, don't stack your side. All right, that's not bringing to somebody else. Hey, I'm going to bring my best friend and now we'll both get them. No, that's, okay, it's, that's, not, that's not the person you're bringing. You're bringing somebody who would be respected by both. Okay, that's the person you choose. Otherwise, you're going to go on deaf ears anyway. Because if they, if they don't respect you, they're not going to respect your friend. Okay, so you want to bring somebody that would have the maturity to be able to deal with both. Okay, and there's, a, there's a level of respect. Okay, see what result happens out of that. Okay, and then at some point in time, if, if there's continually no result... You may find yourself with a, with a boundary in your relationship with them. You can still love them. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with them, live in the same town as them. You know I mean, you can, you, you can create those boundaries, particularly on people that are abusive. Okay, so they abuse the relationship, whether it be verbally, whether it be physically, whether it be they use you, okay, you have to probably create a boundary in place that would start to protect you from being hurt every single day, okay? So this is why when you get into aspects of child abuse and things like that, the government has to create that boundary because the child can't, okay? The, it, it, it happens at every age, but different people will set in the boundary. You're an adult, and so you can set the boundary, all right? But if it's in a situation where you can't, it's another institution that does. This is where we see the effect of having bad government, because if they're not going to set the boundary to protect people, they're not walking in their purpose of justice. Okay, so governments that don't protect individuals from harm, that don't protect, you know, aren't following biblical worldview. And it has, and, and sin, what does sin do? Sin can go rampant. Wives can be abused in loads of nations on the earth because the government won't step in. Okay? And so wives are abused and it's called, well, that's just a marriage issue. It's not. It's abuse. And it's wrong. But sin is able to go rampant 
because the authority domain and structure is not following the laws of God. Thus Timothy says, hey, pray for your leaders. Pray for those in authority. Okay? Because when they make wrong decisions, it can either open the door to sin to run rampant through nations, through families, through individuals, through organizations. Okay? Or it shuts the door of sin to run rampant through organizations, through individuals, through families. Yes. Um, I actually agree with what you're saying, but uh, lately I've been hearing a lot of things, um, like Mark Anderson speaking, saying that the government shouldn't be involved in that stuff, that the church needs to rise up and take care of it, and that when the government does, it's like socialism, and that's like the spirit of the Antichrist or something. So. You, you probably need to have a good, a good teaching, because I know what Mark's talking about. And there's so many teachings that would interact here. If you talk about authorities and domains, get that teaching. Because then, it's, then you start to realize, well, what is the church domain? Okay, God gave certain things to the church to do on the earth. The church abdicated and governments took over. Okay, And so the church has to rise back up and take back on its responsibility, its God-given, ordained responsibility. See, all authorities are ordained by God. The structures He placed. Okay, And so what Mark's getting at is you've got aspects where um, people are crossing over domain. Okay, It is wrong. It is wrong when a government tells you whether or not you can be a Christian or not. Because that's not their domain. That's your domain. Okay. That's the individual domain. And so but when they create a law that says that, they just crossed over. Okay. So we, we that that's where we start to disciple nations. So what do we do? We train. We start equipping people. Okay, you know what? Get a Christian worldview. You want to go into government, get a Christian worldview of government. Otherwise you, you won't you'll administer something that is a world a worldly worldview. Okay. All right. This is why God led us into having a university and many other aspects of Christian universities, giving a biblical worldview so that when we lead in spheres, okay, we actually lead the principles of God and don't just create a nice patched Christian name version of the wrong worldview. So it's key that you have a biblical worldview no matter what vocation you move into. Okay, and you understand that. And that will help you in, in any, any sphere that you walk into. Education, healthcare, business, whatever it might be. You understand God's heart and purpose for that, for that sphere and what it was and so how you walk it through. Families are the domain for training children. Okay? But when families farm it off to an institution, what happens is the government gain control over the curriculum, which is wrong. The government should, get, shouldn't, should never gain control over curriculum. So then you end up with curriculum that talks about, well, you know what, you've got to um, just, there, there can never be any bias, and so you make sure you, you teach the children that um, same-sex marriages are okay. So our preschool came under that and said, hey, you guys can't be a preschool in the state unless you teach this curriculum. We went, no, we're not. Oh, well, then you can't be registered. We're like, 
No, we went back into the government and many visits over into Honolulu with Lauren and that and started challenging. Guys, we're not going to teach that curriculum and we will run a preschool. So, you know, the thing is that they awarded us the best, the, the best preschool in Hawaii around that year on the Big Island. And the person who was administering it flat out said, you know what, there's a preschool I send my kid to, it's yours. So there was favour and God created doors and favour and so thus we still have a preschool that's registered and open and yes, we don't have to teach that curriculum. So We can disagree with it. Education should be the government's domain or the no. churches or the families? It's the family and the church. Parents are responsible to teach their children. Can I teach my child calculus? Maybe not advanced, but level, lower level. But I, ha I, but I have decision-making over what is taught to my child. I just send your kid to a school and say, hey, the school will teach them. Well, what are they going to teach them? You become responsible for what they are being taught. That's what a parent's responsible for. Okay? So you go and find out what's been taught in the classroom. Yeah. Last one and we'll have a break. All right. Um, the scenario is you've wronged me. And, um, yes. and it's, it's... I'm sorry, I repent. It's undeniable. I'm not, I'm not being proud. You have wronged me and, and you're unwilling to uh, acknowledge that. You're, you're being stubborn. Um, in my heart, I've come before God and I have forgiven you. Um, you still think you haven't done anything wrong. Do I come before you and tell you that I forgive you and have forgiven you? Um, or do I keep that between me and God, that, that forgiveness, uh, so as not to uh, look arrogant and prideful uh, to you and, and make myself or Christians look bad? Yes and no, because you're talking about process. So it looks like you have the content down. You feel like you have clear revelation as to what the problem is. But the process will always, won't, it won't be black and white all the time. Well, I've got to always talk to them. You know, sometimes you won't because you need a little bit of wisdom. All right, God, how do I deal with this? I feel like I got revelation on what's wrong. I feel like I got my part right. I feel like I'm right with you, God. I feel like I'm extending compassion and love and kindness towards them, but they still hate my guts. Or they, don't, they have no idea that what they did was wrong to me. They, they just don't see it, God. So I feel like I got the content right, but how do I now deal with that? You know, and so there's no black and white rule on that. There's a whole bunch of principles that hopefully we've been just sowing in in this time. Is Sometimes it's, it's go to them and allow the Lord to open up a time or sometimes you'll serve them and bless them and be generous towards them and then they'll get it or sometimes after a while you start to realize well maybe maybe they are right and maybe I was wrong see we start we start to in our in our humility we start to see our own teachableness okay teachableness is a quality of humility and if you walk in humility you know God will teach you and God will show you and he'll show you your blind spots and and sometimes you, you, know, you find you have people that are around you that you don't just naturally gel with, get on with. 
And so you can see that sometimes clearly. You have the content right. But your process needs a lot of wisdom into how to do it, what to do in this situation, God. You know, get around you, somebody to help you. Look, I got this situation. So-and-so just annoys me every single day and they just don't see it. I've talked to them. I've done the Matthew 18 thing. I've told them that they offended me. You know, they're like, well, two hoots to you. Um, that's your own sensitivity. Get over yourself. You know, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a black and white person. And that's my personality. I just tell it like it is. And you're like, yeah, but you're like a donkey speaking. You know, when you speak stuff that hurts everybody. And they think they're being the most spiritual person on the planet. You know, so you have the content right. Ask God for how to get it right so you get a good result. Does that... I know it doesn't answer. Yeah, just walk hand in hand in, with God um, in, while you're going through this and ask him what to do in, in each step. Because you can, you can see it clearly, but there's not a black and white process in every situation. It's coming around it and saying, all right, God, how do I deal with this? So when, you know, to have the black and white, I know I responded to Andrew in regard to, hey, if, if you stole something from a shop, do you go and get it ready? Okay, in principle, yes. Okay, how you go about that may vary greatly. You know, would you go to the police station and say, hey, I stole from this place 10 years? No, I wouldn't go that route. I would try and get to my brother before getting to the judge. Does that make sense? There's a principle for us. And so, yeah, how do we do that? You know, before we get to there. And if you, if you anticipate that someone's going to take you to the judges straight away, you need a little bit more wisdom before you walk in the door. Because I know if I walk in the door and I say that, I am at the police station. There's no, there's no pass go. It's just directly. And so God give me the wisdom because as soon as I engage this process, I submit myself into a realm that I have no longer control over. So you need a lot of wisdom before you would engage that. Okay, so and there's a that's where your process comes in to get those principles down, you know. Yeah. Last one. Yeah, it's a question. Yeah. What if you hurt someone, but you don't want to, but you really can't help it? Okay, pretend like if you're no, but no, but wait, this is not. Okay, like, <laughs> pretend that you have a relationship with someone and you, like, if somebody likes you, you just don't feel the same. Yeah. So you're hurting them and you don't want to hurt them. It's not like you're, ha, 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 yes, I finally hurt someone. But it's, and if you say, I'm sorry I hurt you, you're not really sorry because you're not sorry for not feeling it because you just don't. So why should you be sorry for it? You don't have to repent. Yeah, that's my point, like... And what if people tell, like I had a friend once and suddenly, you know, these questions that pop into my mind, people know that. So I was like, did I ever hurt you? And he was like, yes. And I was like, what? I was sure it would be a no, but he refused to tell me why. So I had to get it out of my best friend. And when I understood why I hurt him, I was like, I didn't, I didn't even see that I hurt him. Like, I didn't even feel I hurt him. Like, so should I do like, you don't want people to be hurt by you. So, of course, I would say, I I'm sorry I hurt you, but you're not really sorry because you never meant to and you think they're too sensitive. Like, like Just be, be, 
one like, of the, be what, humble, but you're not sorry. Yeah, yeah. One of the things is people will want to manipulate you. You'll always have people in your life that will manipulate you through your emotions. Okay, uh, they're, they're they're quite painful to have around. <laughs> it's like you keep hurting me, and you know, just by doing that, and I, I just get hurt all the time. And I wish you would hang out with me, and you're like, I don't want to hang out with you. You know, but you can't say that. Okay, but you want to have a boundary up. It's like you're dangerous to have around. You're really annoying. You're frustrating. You just you suck life out of me. I don't want to be there. Okay, so you have a boundary in place. Okay, just because you, again, you get to a place of just because you hurt somebody doesn't always mean you sinned. Okay, but on the word of the Lord to you is you can't use that as a justification. Okay. Well, I didn't think I sinned, so get over your hurt. No, you can't go that way. Yours is tenderness, and look, and you start to realize, okay, the problem's not in my realm. The problem's in their realm. I'm not going to spend every waking moment with them. You know, girls, sometimes you have this problem. Okay, I'm married, all right, more than boys do, okay, is, you know, sometimes you, like, you have a best friend or a couple of best friends or... And you attach to them, you know. And then, you know, my wife's a classic. When, when someone starts to attach themselves to her, like, we've got to meet this week. We've got to meet. Well, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you. She just starts wanting to drift the other direction. You know, it's like, leave me alone. Give me space, you know. And But then that causes offense. It sends a message that you don't want to be with me. Okay. Well, that's real. You're picking up the right message. Okay. <laughs> You are reading the signal loud and clear, but you have a problem with that signal because it causes offense. You hurt me. You didn't want to hang out with me. It's like we hung out three days ago. You know, it, be aware of what you're demanding in the relationship. Okay? Boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, so this starts to happen as well. Your friends, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and this is where the guys run. Okay? They all of a sudden, they confess their undying love for one another. And then, and then all of a sudden, the guy's got to check in with the girl 24-7 as to what they're doing. Why, why, where were you last night? Uh, I was just out. You know. Well, why didn't you tell me where you were? Uh, because I, we haven't. Do I have to? <laughs> you know. Yes, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Answer back, no, we don't. You have no rights on my life. You are my girlfriend. Okay? We've made no commitment to one another. We're just getting to know each other. You have no rights on my time and my life. Okay? Because girls, if there's one way you want a guy to run, as soon as you become in a relationship... It becomes like a semi-part married thing. I know, I know. <laughs> a large percentage of girls tend to do it more than boys. But both sexes are in trouble of this one. It's like, why are you hanging out with them? You know. The boys get a little bit jealous when a girl hangs out with another boy. You know. You've got no rights on them. You're not married, okay? You've made no commitment to each other, so get over it. 
Okay? Let the relationship still have joy and life within it. Don't suck it down. Okay? Hang out with lots of people. Have lots of friends in those times. That's another whole relationship. So you see your eyes sparking up when we're talking about relationships. So let's have a break. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Getting situations thrown up in the air and talking about it. Kind of gives you clarity and then the next question comes up and I suggest another way to deal with it and it's like, that's not what you said last time. <laughs> Do something interactive. You just had morning break. It's very interactive. We can do something interactive. Ready? Interact. Uh, we'll do something interactive. Someone hand this out. There you go. You interact with everybody and hand one of those out. All right, so we are going to talk about pride. All right, does everyone have one? This is, this is adapted from a teaching done by Floyd McClung. Okay. So I don't lay claim to the homework, but I think this is one of the most amazing tools that I love to be able to use to describe pride and see pride, okay? Sometimes we think pride is just, you know, very arrogant and we have a bold picture of it, you know, so sometimes we misinterpret pride. Someone can be... Um, just very confident and we interpret it as pride you know when really the person who's interpreted it is the one who's prideful because they're full of insecurity okay so we want to be able to go through some of the aspects of what pride is and questions and comments and stuff like that so uh, how should we do this I don't want to read a book to you you know so why don't why don't you get together in groups of three and four? 
go through this together, highlight some things, make some comments, some, some things that you noticed, or, you know, and then we'll give some feedback. All right, so get together at least four people. I want you to go through the list. So the 23 roots and fruits of pride. Some of you are like, I never left it. All right, I want someone from each group to give a little bit of a, a summary, okay? Maybe of some of your discussion. The what? All right, are you ready? Everyone's attention? Shh. Let's get started. So which group wants to kick in first? Let's just start from the back over here and we'll head down the front so the mic can just be passed and then we'll head back up that way. What okay, so just, just a summary of some of your discussion or being together. Questions or things like that. Um, hold on, really quick. I'm trying to go over. You're right. Thoughts. One of you guys want to go. Do one of you guys want to go first? Anyone want to go first? Yeah. There's a group. If there's a group ready, that's cool. We found out that we're all very prideful. <laughs> Very, but then, yeah, but then it's like, I don't know. Yeah, we, we just found out we have to humble ourselves a lot before the Lord. But then there's also a lot of these little aspects of pride where you can see actually like God is really like working in him. Like he, he really like turned or me away from him. And I'm pretty sure Sarah and Kurt, same thing. Well, that's what Kurt was saying before this. Like, he had a lot of that on the list, but then, like, a lot of them is gone now. So, yeah. All right. Next group. Okay. Um, we kind of agreed that there's a lot of stuff on the list that I think at one point in time we struggled with, but now we're starting to work on. Like, the competitiveness, like, I see that, and that's something that I know I have to work on. And um, also... The, like the praises of man, like as far as like performance-wise, like at work, you know, like I'm not working towards what I'm doing. Like, how does it glorify God? But it's like, you know, am I doing it the best? So yeah, those kind of things to change the list. Yeah. Oh, and the and then humor. oh, the sarcastic humor. Yeah, I think we've all realized because we're a very sarcastic class mm -hmm. um, that it's something that we I know we all have to work on. I have mm -hmm. to work on it. Um, specifically for myself, but that we just have to be more aware of and see that as pride mm -hmm. and not just like, oh, that's my personality. But Yeah. So. Humor is a very God-given thing. When you utilize humor to marginalize or put down or degrade something that is created in the image of God, that's not funny. 
Sorry. Um, we kind of realized that a lot of these things, like I think most of these things have, um, like go hand in hand with like comparison, like comparing to other people. And like, um, I think that's a big root of that, like with envy, judgmental spirit, um, fear of man, a lot of it has to do with comparing to other people. Um, and like vulnerability, like, um, what was it? Yeah, just making yourself vulnerable, like even to admit that you're weak with these things. Um, lack of vulnerability is like a indication of perfection. Um, yeah, hold on. Okay, other. <laughs> um, humility. What was I talking about? Sorry, I'm all scrambled here. Um, I'm sorry, hold on. Yeah, no, just um, making yourself humble and, yeah, I guess making yourself vulnerable to, like, accept these things and, like, admit that this is something you struggle with because, like, um, we were saying vulnerability is, like, one of the strongest things you can do and um, to, like, like an unteachable spirit, like, to be able to receive correction and um, identify your weaknesses. I think that's, like, one of the main things that you need to correct all of this, so... Sorry, my thoughts are scattered. You're fine. See, being able to receive from anybody. See, Jesus was anointed with a, a flask of oil. Do you remember that? Okay, an alabaster flask. It's quite expensive. He was anointed by it. Okay, so he, he received ministry, and he's in the middle of, and he gets his feet washed, and he gets oil through his hair, and, and you have an aspect of a prostitute doing it. Okay, so a prostitute anoints the Lord for his death. Do you think you can receive from anybody the purposes of God? Or do you rank who's more spiritual in the room? And I, I need them to be the ones that minister to me. Okay, If it's hierarchical and positional and titled, you'll look at that. All right. But God doesn't see it that way. God sees it, sees it through, and there's an inheritance and a deposit of God in categories of people. Okay, so we didn't get, um, like last Thursday, we asked Lauren and Darlene and the Andersons to pray an impartation of faith. It wasn't because they were our base directors. It's because if there's people on the earth that have walked out and been men and women of faith, their lives displayed it on a huge, large scale. So it wasn't going, oh, we better get our leader to do it. You know, it's an aspect of the anointing and the deposit within them. And so that's what God sees. God sees the deposits within you guys. You know, and so you may not even know somebody. They might not have any title or position, but be anointed by God in categories where they will start to minister to you. But if you shut off because you rank, you know, well, I've been in ministry for 10 years. And you've only been in ministry for two. So obviously I have it all together. And so I'm the one who has to be ministering to you. you know? And so be careful of that. That's pride. You should better receive from anybody. Okay? The purposes of God and the deposit within them. All right? Another group. Bring it down. Go across. Orga, organizational comparisons was definitely hit for me. Um, 
on outreach Tuesday night, I had met the guy that does the hot dog stand. I've realized as Christians sometimes, we have dealt with this huge as a church, and I've dealt with it huge as an individual. But we consider ourselves, since we're Christians, and since we know God, we're better than you in evangelism. That can definitely turn people away from coming to the kingdom. So I think that's a big issue as individuals we need to deal with, but also as a body we need to deal with. But. And we get stuck on our denomination's theology. Our theology is right. I wish your denomination would get it right. And so we, we, we attach ourselves strongly and we compare. You know, so be aware of you know, where, do you, where, do you, where you're taking your value from. Okay? There's only one place you get your value. It's a title that you have, and it's called, I am a child of God. That's it. Okay? There's nothing actually more valuable than that. All right? Because that's the thing which they considered valuable enough to die for. All right? That's the, that's the, that's the pinnacle of your value, is I am a child of God. That's it. It's not by talent. It's not by what I do. It's not by what I look like. You know? doesn't mean you don't get yourself and... Make yourself look decent, okay? All right? But you, you, you're, you're a child of God. That is the top. Get that revelation. Um, I just wanted to go back to sarcastic humor. I had a thought on that. Um, it's very evident that, that that can be destructive and um, that everything it says here is correct. Um, However, is all sarcastic humor wrong? And is all sarcastic humor um, prideful? Uh, for instance, when we were coming and sitting down, I made the comment, um, wow, I don't have any problems with any of these. And I, of course, I was not serious. And, and the person I was talking to knew I was not serious. Um, is that prideful in and of itself? And I, like, I don't feel it is, but I would really like some revelation on this if it is, and I just don't see it. Does your comment help? It didn't construct anything, but it didn't tear anything down either. How do you know? And um, how how how, I don't, how would it tear something down? I'm Someone just, could hear that and go, "Oh, he's an arrogant pain on the backside." I'm just, I'm just curious. <laughs> Does that make sense? It doesn't help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they get ticked off at it, great, but it doesn't help the image of you. I'll admit I was the person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will say for a brief second in my mind, I was like, ah. But then I knew I was joking, so uh -huh. I did have ill thoughts for a moment. Yeah, see, when you, when you have, <laughs> so you've got, when you've got strong bonds of relationship, okay, I have, for instance, um, some close blonde girl friends, okay? Now, we all know blonde jokes go rampant, all right? Okay? So be aware of that, all right? You don't use your humor to put down blondes, okay? Blondes are highly intelligent, highly gifted by God, and the purposes of God are designed by God, okay? So don't, don't, you don't use your humor to ever degrade something. That's the issue. Don't, don't guys the degrading whether or not your your motivation is attached to it you might go someone might go what well, do you think you know 
Western people are smarter than non-Western. Well, no, of course I don't do that. Well, why did you say it out of your mouth? Oh, that was just humor. No, you said it out of your mouth. Your words have power. Okay? And so be aware of what comes across this thing. Humor is a gift of God, but humor never pulls down. Humor never, never segregates. Humor never puts another group above another group. Okay? So, but the, the fact is, it came across your mouth. You said the words. Okay? Now, the bonds of relationship often will filter through that. Okay? So the stronger the relationship, you know, you might have a running joke. You know, me and my wife have running jokes about things. When I say running jokes, it's a continual story in our life, and we can, and we will laugh about it. The bonds of our relationship protect us in that, and we, we've worked out some dynamics, okay? But as soon as I add a third person to the equation, the bonds of relationship are not there. Okay, so be, be, be careful what's coming across your mouth, okay? The fact is, though, I do limit and try and knock out of my mouth and my talk any talk that, that degrades people. It's not profitable. And Philippians 4 talks about, you know, meditate on things that are holy, pure, righteous. You know, it gives us a list of stuff that that's the stuff we should be thinking about. You know? And in another letter, in, in James, I think it talks about taming your tongue. Your tongue is deceitful amongst others. It's like it becomes the rudder for the ship that guides it. What comes out of it starts to reflect the attitude of your heart. Okay? So maybe in the beginning you're like, hey, I've just always done humor like that. Well, start to notice what comes out because maybe you're starting to get a picture of what's inside. Because out of the overflow of your mouth, you reveal your heart. Okay, so, oh, but it's just humor. I, I, I was just mucking around. Start to notice the consistency of it. You know what? I do this a lot. Why do I do this a lot? Do I actually have some aspect where I believe this? Where I do, where it does reside within me? You know, and God pulled that out. That's the root issue that I want to see moved out of my life. I don't want pride. Pride will kill you. Okay. All right, another group. Yeah, um, a person in our group actually mentioned that we discussed the humor thing, and the person said, like, we when we think about it, it's really hard to find pure, hundred percent good humor, because we all agreed what you were saying. So there's always some seriousness in humor sometimes. So yeah, but actually, all the points were right on in our group. We, at least for my part, I could find something in about every point here mm -hmm. but we also this uh, environment wasn't like condemning the way I felt it because we realized that a lot of the points here we we are aware of mm -hmm. like yeah we already start working so this is more like okay we started our journey on working on this and let's just yeah continue and take the challenge and get rid of our pride so yeah um, the point that was really interesting to me was that insecurity or low self-esteem because mm -hmm. like oftentimes you think the opposite of pride is insecurity 
And so, but then I heard, like, I don't know, I guess it's, it's kind of confusing in a way. Could you, like, explain that a little more? <laughs> Anyone want to comment on that? Yeah. Maybe you've walked out of that aspect. The aspect of a low self-esteem and God convicting you of pride in that category and starting to walk out of it. Has anyone walked out of that? None of you? Yeah, I think I did. Uh-huh. Chris? Chris has got something to say. Everyone else thinks you have something to say. <laughs> I think insecurity is pride. Uh-huh. I used to be a lot more insecure when I was younger. So if a person who is confident would say stuff like, actually, I think I'm good doing this, I would be insecure and think like, oh my goodness, who do you think you are? Like, mm -hmm. like that kind of insecurity. So in real, that person was just confident because in Norway, there's this law that somebody created in literature like some 70 years ago, which says that don't think you're better than anyone else. Don't think you're something special. Don't think you're anything, like everybody's the same. Mm -hmm. It's like a literature thing, and that's really popular in the population, I feel, because yeah. as I go to med school, for example, there's a lot of clever people, and if somebody raised their hand and answered a question, a lot of the other people around are like, who do you think we are? You are, mm -hmm. everybody else knows the answer too. Yeah. And instead of saying, wow, thank you for relieving us because he's waiting for an answer, or, mm -hmm. or simply, I actually didn't know that. Like. Yeah. I'm happy for you. So yeah. that's, yeah. yeah. Crystal? So in, in insecurity does come back to your value, as Chris was telling us. Okay, it's an aspect of knowing your value. Okay. Uh, you have been dealt a set of genetics, though. Okay? You don't always have to blame God for the genetics. You blame Sim for the genetics. Okay? Because our bodies are degrade degrading and the whole thing's degrading. Okay? Everything's going down in our body and genetics. It just That's the result of the fall and sin on our earth. Okay? So be aware of that. I, like, I... I pulled out of what Chris did. It's our value in God's the one who gives life. Okay? Your genetics come from a whole combination of stuff. Okay? But you are valuable. Just based, the genetics didn't create the value. God created the value. All right? 
So everyone is valuable and everybody is special. Okay, so you can go with that message. You do have an aspect of comparison. Comparison is a, is a you know, we get in our insecurity and I'm no good and you're not being known for who you are. You know, and so you're guising it and often you'll be reserved. Okay, be a similar fruit that often goes with it. You'll hide, you'll withdraw from relationships, you'll withdraw from people. Because your own pride in regards to, you know, I don't have any value or I'm not special or I'm not talented or... And so we fall into self-pity. Okay. Pride is a distortion. It distorts what is the truth. Okay, that's why the evil one is the father of lies, all right? And he is still deceived to this day. He's not running around going, well, you know, let's see if I can keep working this thing out. He still thinks he's fully, I can do this. You know, got kicked out of heaven. Christ didn't die for him or the angels. He still thinks he's fully able to be, be like God and he will keep bringing that message to the day he's thrown into the eternal thing. Okay, He's still doing the same thing. I can be God. I can be God. His only authority though is when you go, yeah, I agree with that. Boom, he gets authority on the earth. Okay, Tempts you. You fall into sin, he gains authority. So when lots of people are sinning in the zone, he has a lot of authority. When sin starts to lessen in areas, he loses his authority. Okay? He doesn't make speakers float around and he, you know, it, it, it's through you. Human beings and their will to decide, do I want to give the enemy place? And believe his lies and believe, believe his deception? Or do I believe the truth of God? And the truth of God says that you're a child of God, created in his image. Okay? Don't get the image fully associated with the color of your hair. Okay? Otherwise, God's confused. All right? God's got black hair, brown hair, maroon hair very proud of myself I said maroon instead of maroon <laughs> okay blonde hair sorry Andrew Haley. <laughs> you know they're like you're going to the dark side you know God's not it's in his image is in it's in who he is and his character and that's what we're created to be like we create like him we like miniature versions, okay? But we're not God. It's very simple. Never try and mistake that. I'm not God. Thus, I don't set the standard on what's right and wrong. God sets the standard on what's right and wrong. And I eat from the tree of life, okay? If you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will set the standard, you know, little exercise I did out of a book that I read called Repenting of Religion. And I'd encourage you to read that book about judgmentalism. 
Get a little exercise in the beginning, and, and I still do it, and I, and I constantly keep it sewn into my life as a practice. When I'm in a shopping mall or in a busy place with lots of people, I'll just sit there sometimes, and I'll notice if I'm ranking people. Okay? When they walk past and their kids yelling, I'm like, oh, I'm a better parent than that. Oh, judgment. They're wearing lots of black, and oh, I don't wear black. They must be sinful people. Judgment. I put myself in a place of order as to where am I in the rank rather than extravagant love. I look upon a family and their kids going sick and yelling at them. I'm like, extravagant love. You know, or do I go, oh, man, I'm better than them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know. Do you rank when you're with people or do you push extravagant love to them out of your thoughts and in your spirit, which will fuel your action? Okay. Or do you filter it through, hey, let's see if I'm, where would I be? When you came in, maybe to your DTS, you started working out, where am I in the scale of a good student or a bad student? Where am I in the scale of my walk with God? You get into worship time, the person next to you is like, you're like, maybe I'm not that spiritual, you know, and, but I'm more spiritual than that, so I feel better. I'm not the worst, and I don't really want to be the best, because no, they're just prideful. That, that, their boldness is interpreted as pride, and I, I think I'm a good Christian. And so you rank yourself to make yourself feel, self feel comfortable, and you miss out on the fact that you're built to be, come from the tree of life to push life out. I've come that you may have life. Yes, Christoph. Yeah. Um, my question has to do with like judgment. Like what is the line between discernment and judgment of people? You could elaborate. All right. So discernment, um, you can discern. So let's just use it in its broad term. Okay. Um, my child is staring at Emily, uh, Michael is staring at Emily with something in his hand, with fierce eyes. I can discern that he's about to throw something at Emily. Okay? I'm like, hmm, I'm discerning something. I'm noticing something. You can, you know. And so, but discernment also is a spiritual gift. Okay? And so it's in a realm of the Holy Spirit will go, hey, I give you discernment as to what is going on. So sometimes when you're praying, you go into a city and you'll be sitting there and you'll be looking with your physical eyes and going, hey, let's just discern maybe what evil is here. Oh, look, there's a brothel. I wonder if sexual immorality is an issue. Okay. I don't know. You know look at the building. The building's telling you something, a whole bunch of sins happening. So, you know, you, you can discern. All right. Judgment is about value upon the individual. Okay. If, you, if you're pulling from them an essence of your value, either I'm lower or I'm higher, you're judging. Okay, judgment pulls from. All right. Now, how then do you walk in, you know, we're supposed to sharpen each other. You know, and you get these websites that call themselves the correctors of the body of Christ. You know. I'm like, well, who, no one anointed anybody the corrector of the body of Christ. That gets done in the bonds of relationship. 
This is why accountability is so key. I'm the one who invites accountability. Okay, and you might go, well, no, you don't, Andrew. You're in leadership. Well, yes, I do, because my decision to be in leadership is I will be accountable to you guys. Okay? And so I will be open to you with my time. If you want to ask me about my finances, I make myself accountable to you. And so there's broad aspects of accountability, and there's these personal, really tight, close relationships of accountability. And so I invite people in to say, you know what, I want you to speak into my life. And so when they come in and a brother wants to correct a brother, that's an invited process. Okay? You came into a DTS, you invited it. All right? You didn't fill out a form. Said, hey, I want to learn in a DTS and I see what it's about and I want to grow in God and I want people to help me. Boom, I want to apply for that. Okay? And you got here and someone went, hey, let me help sharpen you. And you went, hey, don't you dare speak to me like that. I'm, I'm better than you. Don't tell me what to do with my life. It's like, uh, didn't you ask? Didn't you, come, didn't you apply to actually come into an environment where you'd be sharpened and, and helped and grown? Or did you apply for a holiday camp? There's lots of those. You know. I knew what I was going into in my DTS. Did I know the full extent? No. <laughs> you know. But I knew I was going to grow in God. And there's enough in the Bible that displayed to me, usually it's people that help me grow. Iron sharpens iron. Okay. Be careful to use uh, discernment or scriptures that talk about, hey, we need to correct one another with the word and all this sort of stuff on domains that are not your God-given domain. Whoever anointed you, the judge over another church or body? Nobody. Okay. Oh, but the scriptures say, yeah, but no one ever said, hey, would you... We want you to help grow and correct us as a denomination or as a body. Would you do that? If denomination leadership is smart, they'll invite it. Hey, we want influence from broad perspectives. Speak to us. And so the leadership of the body has that speaking into them. But when you go create a website, you say, hey, I, I, I just need to be one to tell the, tell the body of Christ about the wolves. Okay? No one ever ordained you to be the speaker against the body of Christ. Be very careful of that. Okay? If you get cranky with an aspect of your church or things like that, when you walk, walk alone. All right? If you have a disagreement with an aspect of authority, whether it be in your workplace, in your church, in whatever it might be, when you walk out of there, walk by yourself. Don't round up the masses just to agree with you. Because all you'll get is a bunch of you. And guess what happens? They do the same thing to you because they had the same attitude and the same problem. Okay? So like, I just needed to speak to a friend and then we'll both go and, and we split the church in, church in half. Okay? If you have a problem, walk by yourself. Be like David. Just walk out and God will either restore you or he'll teach you or he'll correct you, okay? But you are not the savior of the body of Christ. 
You're to serve it. You're to serve one another and bless one another. Okay? Some of the feet aspects of the body of Christ are going to do stuff completely different than the hand aspect of the body of Christ and the brain aspect and the chest aspect. And, you know, we will all express it differently. But if we serve in unity of purpose in the heart of God, we will stay together. Okay? So be careful on broad aspects of communication when you speak against stuff. All right? Internet has become a field day for this. When you speak against something broadly, you're coming under your own judgment. By the level that you judge, you also will be judged. And if you want to judge somebody and tell the world, expect quite a judgment back on you. It's just dangerous ground. Okay? If you, if you look at some of the scriptures and you look at some of the people, it, you know, I don't like going this route because it's a fear route, but it's a reality. All right? Some of the guys who spoke against Moses and the purposes of God, Moses was really cool. He's like, hey, I'm not the one who's going to say I'm the boss. Let's just see what God says. Put your rods out. Let's see who flowers. And we'll find out. So they put it out. Aaron's flowers. Bang. Grounds follows up. And these guys fall into the deck and die. I'm like, whoo. Restrain me, God, from my own arrogance. Yeah. That's just the reality of Scripture. The sons of... Is it Korah? Yeah. We get the principles out of it. All right. So pride, pride is pride is is so not something that you just want to hang out with. Hey, I'm growing out of pride. No, repent of the sucker and walk as hard as you can in humility. The more aggressive aspects of pride you have in life, the more aggressive you need to be in humility. Okay, don't hang around with it. It's the core element of Satan and the way he operates. It's the core and the essence of it. Don't just go, well, I've got a little bit of pride and, you know, I'm working through it and throw that stuff up. It's rotten. Get that revelation of it. See it for what it is and walk in humility and purity. Um, it's very popular these days to uh, be hypersensitive or hyper aware of uh, when others or yourself are judging or just judging in general. And we've put such a bad light and connotation on the word judging. Um, is it always wrong to judge if you're not judging people? Um, for instance, judging actions. Is it wrong to judge an action without judging the person? It, it's really hard to decipher the two at times. Okay. Uh, what I will say is judgment can only really, really should only be invited. All right. I bring you into my life and say, hey, will you sharpen me? Okay. Uh, 
I wasn't, I'm not talking about that. Yeah, but in the question was, is it right or wrong to judge? It's the context of where it happens. It's wrong when it's not invited. See, if I, if I notice something even in this group, okay, if I'm on the campus one day and I notice something wrong, okay, I'm like, okay, something's up. They, they did something inappropriate or you know, that hurt somebody or, and you're a witness of it. Okay? I respect even the domain of Andrew and Crystal. Okay? If we talk about line and domain, hey, I get, I get all training for some reason. I get all that. But it closely, more related and more relationship and bond of love is with your staff. And so the relationship of love is the environment in which uh, that sharpening and that correction should come. And so it's an invited environment, and it become, the bonds of love help do that, and they form those relationships. Because I can come to you and say, you know I love you, and because I love you, I need to tell you that what you're doing is terrible. I'm not judging your value or anything like that. I'm correcting you or I'm disciplining you because you've asked me to do that. Okay? So the bonds of relationship are key. All right. Do I agree with every action out there? No. You know, will I let any action happen and not fall in judgment? No. If someone goes to hit my child, all right, well, I better not do anything. I might judge them. No, I'm going to stop them. And say, oh, stop hitting my kid. Okay. Leave them alone. All right. Pick on someone your own size or something. It's like just leave them alone. And I pull my kids out of situation. If they're still in harm, I would do more. Okay. Because they're my kids. All right. And so I'll protect them. Does it mean I'm judging them? No. Okay. We could do this teaching for like three or four days. Yeah. But I just we, we hit a snapshot. I just wanted to bring that up because uh, it comes up a lot in, oh, you're judging that person when you're not. Um, and I don't know, it, it's, it seems to be a to uh, pointing out when something is wrong seems to be avoided. Um, like even, even within the proper context, seems to be avoided um, because we don't want others to think wrong about us. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, um, one man kills another man. I'm not judging that man, but I'm judging his actions and saying that is wrong. Yeah. You know, and I've been in that circumstance before, and I'm not talking to even directly to that man. I may never meet that man, but I know, you know, the action is wrong, mm -hmm. and I've been told, you, you can't do that. You're judging them, and I, I, I don't understand this, mm -hmm. you know. Sometimes you're just describing what happened, you know. Sorry. We've got 10 minutes. Oof. I don't know. It's not, I, don't, I don't think it's linear. It's not like, hey, 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 hey. Pfft. You know. I'm discerning. It's spiritual discernment. Oh, dear, I just fell into judgment. Okay? It's, there, there is an aspect of your heart and your in, in value on the individual. Okay? Do you put yourself below them? Do you put yourself above them. So do you add value from the fact that they fell? Okay, so someone does sin, oh look at them, they sinned. And so what you do, you, you puff yourself up by going, gee, I'm better than that. Okay? 
that's when you're starting to judge because it's a, it's a value thing that you're gaining value or you're lessening value. Does that make sense? Because you're drawing from them rather than giving to them. You're supposed to be ex- giving love out of your heart. It's supposed to be an overflow and not a drawing from. Okay? So when you're talking about a situation or things like that, it's, it's, it's not black and white in it because you can be talking about it. And while you're talking about it, you're fueling on the fact that I am more, I, I, I'm not like that. And, I, and don't you see how I noticed that? You're being fueled by something that you shouldn't be fueled by. Does that make sense? So talking about it, it's, it, because it's such a heart issue, it's either you're giving life and love or you're drawing from the situation a sense of value and, hey, it could be, it could be a spiritual pride. I notice these things. It's like, that's really cool, you know, but don't puff yourself up. Walk in humility because it should produce compassion towards the wrong. You know, if you don't find you see sin and compassion pours out from you, that's a little indicator for you. Okay? Yes. If any of the staff want to add anything, we've got about 10 minutes. So if something's burning within you in this area, oh, feel free um, to. Carrie, when she was here for relationships, she said something that really stuck with me. And I've been really just really trying to use it and apply it to my life. Just that phrase that, um, you know, treat people physically and also just the way you think about them by by their value you know because they're children of God versus their behavior you know and I really feel like that's helped me a lot so I just felt like I would remind everyone that because um when you think about them like yeah they're they're children of God like God made them you know it's just it t- put take it to the next level and it's, it's no longer you know oh I think this about them or I think this about them so we all have the same value. We all have different functions. But our character also will either help us do the functions and responsibilities the Lord wants for us to do, or our character will hinder us. It never changes your value. Okay. Sometimes we grab the value button and we go, hey, you don't treat us all fairly. Of course I don't. Your character is deficient, and so you're not going to be given the same amount of responsibility as this person. Because your character has not grown. Does that make sense? Just because things aren't done fairly. All right. When I went to my mum and said, hey, I got the, I, I, he got the biggest piece. He'd chop more off mine. So I learned quickly to shut up. I'm like, you know, if I go and whinge about being fair, I'm actually going to lose it. Okay. It's a good little lesson to learn. Fairness is not about our value. Okay. He's not raising his hand. Are you catching something or? Oh, okay, spider. <laughs> like he's catching flies going past. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> Any other comments? Considerations? Staff want to add anything? I mean, wouldn't a part of it just come back to, you said, when you walk with the Spirit, the Spirit won't lead you into sin. Exactly. It's what, it, it, be aware of your thoughts, okay? Be aware of what goes over this thing. Sometimes we're just brain dead. We just think a whole bunch of rubbish and we don't trash and we don't realize it, okay? 
We're to take capture every thought and put it in obedience to Christ. Okay, so notice what you're doing. Have a little bit of self-awareness. Man, I just thought a really terrible thought about that person. Capture it, put it to obedience to Christ. You know what? I just thought a really terrible thought about that culture. Capture it, put it to obedience to Christ. I don't want to do that. Because there's a good chance when you're capturing that or you're drawing that out, you're placing yourself usually above it. That culture's a bit behind in that, you know, and they'll catch up soon. You just drop their value. And you place their value based on technology advancements. Okay. So be, be aware of where you're drawing that value from. That's when you start to notice pride and comparison and self-pity and all those sort of things pop up out of an aspect of pride. It's the core element of the fall, guys. I will set myself up to be like God. Thus, the first temptation that comes in is, did God really say that? He's only doing that because he thinks he's scared that you're going to be like God. And it's still going rampant today, guys. Did God really mean that? Is God really faithful towards you? Is God really trustworthy? Can you really give him all of your life? Will you really get free going to the cross? Will he really provide for you? This stuff will be hitting you every single day until you start noticing it and going, yes, he is faithful. Shut up. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Yes, he is kind and compassionate. Yeah, but what about 1 Samuel 15 where he told Saul to wipe out all the kids? That's not compassionate. Oh, maybe he's not compassionate. See, the enemy knows the Bible, guys. All right. He knows how to push your buttons. Then you better go and learn your Bible. Well, if God's gracious and compassionate, what was really happening? I better find out. Because I give no place for the evil one. So, um, I have a handout for you guys to do tonight. Okay. Or two. Let's do two. Let's do two tonight. Give you homework. Ah, homework. All right. Now oh, you moaners and groaners. <laughs> In the first one, the spiritual checkup has two pages. Okay. The second one has one page. Uh, actually, yes. It has two pages, but it's not collated. So, so a spiritual checkup is two pages. Just take two pages, pass it on, two pages, pass it on. They're back to front. So it equals four. But it's just two sheets of paper. Just so two pages and yeah. Yep. Okay, and I'll give a bit of instruction about what you're to do with these in the next 24, well, in the next 
18 hours. Okay? So the spiritual checkup is the thing done by Winky Pretney. And it came out of his book called Youth of Flame. Okay. Winky Pratney has a whole bunch of good resources. If you Google him, you'll see a great site. I think it's moh.org. Teachings, audio, just a whole bunch of stuff on discipleship. It's brilliant. Nature, character of God. Really, really good. Boop. All right, the next... Okay, so what you're to do with that first one is basically what it tells you to do. Okay? So the directions are in the beginning. Take some time. Set it aside where you can't be annoyed or disturbed. Okay? Go and go through that checkup. Okay? What we're going to do tomorrow is a process probably maybe either in your small groups or things like that where you will walk in the light. How you love walking in the light? Where we invite you to walk in the light. Again, that's your individual domain and I can't make you. Okay? We want to encourage one another. Staff, if you don't get a copy of this, maybe you want to make a couple of extra copies so you all get one. But take some time and go through it. It gives pretty simple instructions. Okay? Again, the Holy Spirit will be specific. He's not going to be all vague. Okay? But let's clean out any areas that are still residing and holding in there. Okay? This next one um, has two pages to it. It's not really a lot of homework for you. It's just a little thing in humility. Okay, we talked about pride. We've got to talk about the thing that breaks pride down. All right? So it has a little checklist on some of the things that are qualities. Okay, so you want that one. All right? Okay, and it has a couple of questions here with scriptures that you can look at on that one. So there's two pages and they'll come separately. All right? Okay, so just take one and pass it on. So we look at pride. We want to look at humility. We want to know what humility is.